Hello and welcome to our London History Podcast, where we share our love of London, its people, places and history in 20-minute espresso shots, served with a dash of personality. I am Hazel Baker, London tour guide and CEO of London Guided Walks, providing private tours, treasure hunts and live London quizzes to Londoners and visitors alike. To accompany this podcast, we also have hundreds of London history-related blog posts for you to enjoy absolutely free. We've also launched the Daily London, providing you with daily inspiration of things to do in London for Londoners. You can listen on iTunes, Spotify, or even add it to your Alexa flash briefings. And you can check all of that out on our website, londonguidedwalks.co.uk forward slash flash. And don't forget, too, that we're also offering a September sale. You can get 20% off any private tour booked by the end of this month. You can book it for summer next year. It doesn't matter as long as you use the promo code SUMMER2020. And now for this week's theme, London's historic pubs. The pub is a great British institution. And as you would expect, London has a number of watering holes that have been around for centuries. There's no better experience than having a drink in one of the many historical pubs dotted throughout London. No matter whether you're a part of London you're staying in or what kind of drink you enjoy, there's always a great local boozer just around the corner. With over 3,000 pubs in London, we at London Guided Walks have handpicked some of the most interesting places and unique facts for you to start adding these pubs onto your places to visit list. Joining me in the studio today is City of London tour guide Ian McDermott. Hello there. Hello, hello. So uh, are you a pub kind of guy? Uh, yes and no, in the sense that I have always enjoyed going in them. I like beer very much and I think that real ale is... I, I, don't, know, I don't understand why foreign people... This is a sweeping generalisation. I don't understand why foreigners don't like it. Like Germans and Belgians are always very big about their own beer and then they... So again, sweeping generalisations, so apologies to all Germans and Belgians, but they come over here and tend to be a bit sniffy about our beer. The thing is with English beer is it's got a complexity to it that other, well, continental beers just don't have. OK, it's a bit different. You're drinking beer at room temperature and they're used to drinking cold beer. But I mean, I, I just don't understand why they don't get the point of it. But um, yeah, apologies for making sweeping generalisation. <laughs> and you know we do have people from Belgium and Germany listening to And I really like Belgians and Germans. I want to make that very very clear. Um and I'm sure I'm sure there there're probably many listen- the ones listening are probably very anglophile and, and love English beer. But no, I, anyway, having said that I love um English beer and pubs the problems that I have with pubs and again this is I'm in dangerous territory because I'm, I'm in danger of sounding very very grumpy oddly enough really yeah the, the things I don't like about pubs are the noise the when they have background music so yes. this isn't something intrinsic to pubs and I don't like loud fruit machines no and I don't like hideously crowded places uh, so if you can find an empty <laughs> pub with no background music which has rather nice historical features and that serves ale uh, and that serves proper beer, yeah, then then I'm very happy. How about you? Um, well, I like somewhere to sit, mm-hmm. you know. When I had a real job, an office job, um, you know, I'll be wearing heels. And then you're expected to go 
somewhere and stand and drink which is just really awkward when you've got your handbag you've got heels it's been a long day and also I'm I mean I'm five seven but I'm still way shorter than most of the men and you just mm. get pushed around mm. so I like somewhere to sit and also going to the loo I mean if you need to go I don't want to be having to step over puddles or holding my nose and mm. that is usually you know one of the downsides of of going out and this is not you know I'm not going out late at night this could just be your on a regular Saturday afternoon, you know? Yeah. I'm in danger of offending uh, certain people from the continent. You're in danger of offending a lot of people who run pubs by saying that, aren't you? Well, why don't you just clean the toilets quicker and better? Okay. Okay. We should mention that any establishments we're going to mention today have pretty good toilets, haven't they? Yeah, we've tried. Yeah, so so the good thing about COVID and uh, the the bounce back um, is that we've been able to uh, investigate a number of pubs that have reopened, and we have uh, had plenty of space in which to swing a cat, haven't we? Yeah, and um, probably like a lot of people, I've been rather suffering uh, through COVID through getting thoroughly fed up with it. Um, But one good thing has been been able to go and visit pubs that I've mm-hmm. that I've never because I haven't said I like pubs I don't go in them that often and I think one of the things is particularly living in London but anywhere where you've got a, a so-called nice pub that people know about is that often you'll open the doors you'll see it absolutely heaving you think ah oh, I'm not going to bother mm-hmm. so this past uh, month or so we've really been making an effort haven't we yeah. to go into some pubs that you well that you you know partly through doing your pub tour yeah and uh, Hazel does a, a, a historic pub tour in the Covent Garden area, mm-hmm. and one of the pubs she mentions is or does on that tour is the Salisbury, which I went into for the first time with her. So I had my own uh, guided tour with all the mm-hmm. background, uh, which was good. And it's a it's a really good pub, isn't it? And yeah. I, the, well, over to you, really, on the back. I was, I was about to say why I like it, but you, you, could you give us a bit of background on, well, on the Sawbrick and why it's such an interesting pub to yeah, visit? Yeah, I think what, what, what's the nice thing is that you actually get to see some of the interior detail that you couldn't do before. Um, there's some, several things that you get to notice with the etched glass, which you, you wouldn't normally because you'd be opening the door for someone else as you're going through and, and that kind of thing. But it has the original uh, U-shape uh, bar um, it's all grade two listed on that it has some wonderful authentic um, um, art nouveau uh, f- light fittings as well so this is when electricity was added to the pub uh, and also it has a, a glass section in the ceiling of the pub looking up to a fantastic uh, sterile, uh, spiral staircase um, showing what are now flats but there used to be uh, rooms so you could stay at the Salisbury um, and also uh, have, have a drink downstairs yeah, that was amazing. It was um, one of the barmaids kindly pointed that out to me mm-hmm. as I was wandering around rather aimlessly. And yes, it's so tall. I mean, yeah. massive. Um, what was in effect a hotel, wasn't it? Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and it's nice that they've kept to sort of original colours as well, because of yes. course that dark red was really popular in Victorian times. Because of course you had gas lamps, so the the byproduct of that and all that soot would have congregated on the ceiling, and also all the smoking that would have gone on. Mm. Um, having a, a dark colour, even though it's colour it's still dark so it's just covering up a lot of the lot of the mess yeah and, and having done my grumpy old old man thing at the beginning I was talking about things I dislike in in pubs it's very reassuring to go into a pub like that where they've got the original fittings I mean because yeah. so many of them have been were ruined uh, in, in, in well I guess the 70s and, and they 80s. still are as well yeah, because they, but where they've got the original fittings, obviously they don't fit in so well with uh, with um, background music and fruit machines. They can't mm-hmm. accommodate them, so it's a good sign. 
And I guess that there's probably a grow. I mean, I don't know, but I imagine that there's a growing market now for proper pubs because there's an appreciate. I mean, obviously, the campaign for real ale has been around mm-hmm. for a long time, thankfully. But also, that seems to have coincided recently with the the craft beer movement. Mm-hmm. Um, authentic drinking should be in somewhere that's interesting rather than somewhere that's just um, yeah, some kind of factory produced drinking space well uh, i bet you don't know uh, what the most expensive pint in london is then (laughs) well i always find it difficult to how much is a pint i don't know i find it difficult i've got 69p stuck in my head because i think that's how much it was when i was a student um (laughs) well a pint it varies enormously doesn't it from about three three pounds to about six pounds now so the most expensive is that right would you say i'm waiting for you to okay yeah the most expensive part well, it's only beer, isn't it? It can't be that expensive, can it? it um, I would say the most expensive pint's going to be £12. Well, you're close, but not very close. Uh, Speedway Stout by the Craft Beer Company um, is £22.50 a pint. A pint? £22.50. Yeah. Wow. Where, do you know where that is? Yeah, you can get it at the Ryan Borough Market, one yeah. of the places. It's quite a small pub as well, one of the teeny-weeniest ones. And then you could go out and spend several hundred pounds on fish and cheese in Borough Market. Yeah, it could be a very that. expensive day, couldn't it? Yeah. Now, Hazel, how did public houses originate? Mm. It depends how far you want to go back, really. But I suppose looking at it, it's, it's the Romans that we've got to thank for this. This is looking at the Roman system, the road system, connecting across the continent, and then, of course, into Britain, all roads lead to Londinium. And as you're travelling, well, you're going to get uh, thirsty and tired, you're going to need a rest, a stop over the night, and so they had inns, I think they were called Tabernae, um, and that's where you'll be able to get your lodgings and your refreshments. So that's how it all kind of started. Um, in more recent years, it was it was this place where basically, you know, if you took to the term public house, it was a house in the street, which was where the the locals would come and congregate. This is where you'd have your uh, your community would be. There'd be no community halls, and also this is where a lot of the uh, the local laws uh, would have, uh, like law courts, would have happened as well. This was your um, local uh, community hub. This wasn't just a place we've got in the minds now of pubs. You think of uh, lots of loud men drinking, but this these were a useful place where everybody uh, could come and and do their business and 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 see people and catch up. And, and talk about the, the theories of the day. Hmm. Now, one of the most obvious features of a pub is its sign. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us something about how those originated? Yeah, pub signs. And this was... Um, 1393 really was when an act was uh, passed by uh, Richard II and this made it compulsory for pubs uh, to have a sign outside. And this was so the official ale taster, when going round, um, he'd be able to identify the pub from any other types of business. Okay, so I can see that having a pub sign would be a distinct disadvantage necessarily if you wanted to avoid the uh, official ale taster but on the other hand i would have thought they'd be quite maybe they wouldn't i was going to say quite vital in attracting customers but on the other hand if i suppose if if you depends who you're relying on for your customers doesn't it if you if you want to attract people who are not familiar with the area you need a pub sign to say 
uh, meet me at the sun or whatever. But if you're just lo- if you're in a village, then everyone would know where the pub was anyway. Yeah, exactly. So it does it does depend on, and of course, pubs are going to be on main roads uh, most of the time anyway uh, for for passing trade. And don't forget, most people uh, couldn't read, mm-hmm. so you need some sort of iconic pub sign to to make you stand out compared to any other pub in the area. Mm-hmm. And do you have a favourite pub sign? Oh, well, I used to have a favourite pub sign. Um, it was the Three Kings in Clerkenwell. Yeah. Um, and that's just between the parish church and Clerkenwell Green. That was quite a fun one. Do you want to have a guess as to the three kings that were on this uh, pub sign? Oh, there have been so many kings. Uh, uh, Henry V, George I, I Henry VIII. You're a third right. Henry VIII was certainly on it, um, as was King Kong and Elvis the King Presley. Oh, yeah. Well, they were well-known English kings, weren't they? Yeah. <laughs> so a few years ago, this uh, this sign just disappeared and uh, it hasn't been replaced. So it actually doesn't have a uh, pub sign at the moment. It, the building's still there, though. The building's still there, yeah. Still a the pub. brewer's sign is still there. Oh. It's still a pub. It reopens in um, next weekend. Uh, but yeah, no pub sign. Ooh. Mm. So yeah, that was a favourite one of mine just because it was quite quirky. And also, it wasn't just painted. It was it was 3D. Mm. Um, I kind of like the two chairmen in St. James's. Oh, yeah. Now, having said I haven't been in that many pubs, that's one <laughs> That's one I do know. Yeah, Yeah. so, so that's a, a nice one because you show these, these two chairmen um, with their long coats and they're carrying um, a sedan chair, which was a very popular uh, method of transport if you could afford it. Um, and that um, in St. James's, it's uh, believed to be one of the oldest pubs in Westminster as well. And the sign itself, the one that you can see, um, it can trace back from uh, to 1729. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which is great, isn't it? Yeah, because most of these um, signs are, are, are modern, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that's great. And, and Oh, I've got a question for you now. Yes. Uh, so uh, what's the connection between the two chairmen in St. James's yes. and Mary Poppins' returns in the film? Oh, I've no idea. It's in it. Is it? Yeah. Oh. So at the very beginning... It would have helped if I'd seen the film, I think. Yeah, well, you know, okay. you've missed out. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, so this is when uh, the very first scene and you've got um, the, the the chimney sweep and he's on his bike and he's singing out about our London town in the worst L- London accent since... Is it Dick Van Dyke? I thought you... No, Mary, Mary Poppins returns. So, oh, worst written a London accent since Van Dyke. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. So, they've got, this, they've got this tradition of terrible London accents, which they wanted to make. That's right. But he was in Hamilton, you see. So, he's a big name. Anyway, so he's cycling down, singing how lovely our London town is. And the kids um, are just at the bottom of this little alleyway as he lights a lamp. And that is where the two chairman is. Okay. And are there any other pub signs you're particularly fond of or interested in? <laughs> interested in? Mm, well, I like Ye Old Mitre. That's uh, in Hatton Gardens. Oh, I like that. Yes. Again, yeah. that's, that's one I have been in. There that, you go. That's yeah. spl- a splendid pub. It yeah. is a splendid pub. Uh, and uh, the people say that they, uh, they're either never, never been there when we go mm. for, on our um, Bleeding Hearts and Body Parts tour or that they just can't find it. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's one of those places you kind of once you've been, you know, don't I, you? I like the idea of a pub that's hard to find. It's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> um, yeah, but the the hung, drawn, and quartered pub sign now oh, that yes. makes me laugh. That's by the uh, the Tower of London. I know you know it. Yeah. Um, what I love about this sign, it's yeah, it's okay. It's a, a painted one, as most of them are. Um, but it does look like it's four guys who are just having a bit of an argy bargy outside the the pub and and the tower in the background on this sign. It's quite funny. Nothing about being hung, drawn, and quartered that's evident from this pub sign. The one I like is the. Um uh, old Dr Butler's head, which again, I, I, I've spent a hell of a long time in the city uh, wandering around it, but I'd never been in. And then mm-hmm. sort of COVID time went in and it was very quiet. Uh, because that's a place that... This is near Moorgate, down, down an alleyway, um, and uh, it's Mason's Alley, isn't it? That's it. And, yes, yeah, so this is one of the... Chowders being one of the city's historical pubs. Its um, origins go back to the early 17th century. It was burnt down in the Great Fire and rebuilt. But looking at it, it looks early 19th century. And I have to say that actually it's a little bit... I found it a little bit disappointing on the inside. It's fine, but it's... um, Unfortunately, it's got Sky Television in. Uh, Mm. It's run by Shepherd Neem, so that might explain that uh, as a a brewery, a big chain. Um, But anyway, it's nice inside. But the, the main attraction of it is that early 19th century... Uh, exterior it looks quite Dickensian doesn't it yeah but the whole pub idea is that you have a nice experience in the pub not just looking at it from the outside yeah I quite liked it but it wasn't uh, having gone in there for the first time I was uh, a little bit disappointed mm-hmm. but the staff in there were very very nice weren't they yeah, and, yeah and the they, tried, they tried um, and uh, yeah so this is interesting from a historical point of view because of Dr Butler himself who was uh, made court physician to King James I, and he had his ale, and he sold his ale from pubs with his head p- painted on their sign. And this is the last of um, several pubs that did this to have survived, survived in inverted commas, because it's been on that site, but the, the buildings changed. Mm-hmm. And so they've got this pub, mo- mo- obviously modern pub sign of old Dr Butler up there. So that's quite interesting, I think. Yeah, I was excited to, to find a new pub as well. That was one for me. Yeah, yeah. I know you know this one, but I'm going to ask the listeners, uh, what is the most popular pub name in the UK? Give you a moment to to have a little ponder. And Ian, would you like to reveal? Yes, and I know this only because you've told me so many times. (laughs) Uh, The most common pub name is the Red Lion. And what about the Red Lion on Whitehall? You've got a good fact about that, haven't you? Yeah, well, the Red Lion on Whitehall, which is yeah, just on the ed- end of Whitehall, isn't it, into uh, Parliament Square, that is one of the division pubs. And the division pubs, there's, a, there's several of them, uh, but they ha- they're called division pubs because they have a bell in them. So when there's a vote in the House of Commons, they ring this division bell and are responsible representatives, our members of parliament, can then rush back uh, to the House of Commons to participate in the vote. I do think that that they should be breathalyzed before they vote, though. Yeah, but then they wouldn't have to rush back, would they? I mean, it would just <laughs> stay where you are. So one final question for you, uh, expert on historic pubs, is, and it's rather an obvious question, is what is the oldest pub in London? Oh, uh. I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. Yeah. Uh, there's there's no real answer. Um, it depends how you measure it. So in terms of actual physical building, 
Um, the Seven Stars on Carey Street, which is just off Fleet Street, uh, that has got to be one of my favourites. I mean, it's Grade 2 listed. Uh, large parts of the building are from the 1680s, but there are date marks um, from the buildings declaring that some elements of it are from uh, 1602. So that makes it a rare survivor of the Great Fire of London, historic in its own right. Is that isn't comparable to the Mitre? I was going to say that I've not been in this one. Is it as nice as the Mitre, do you think? Uh, well, there's more to, more place to sit down. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to give that one a go then. So you know what you can do? You can come along on one of our historic London pub tours and experience some of the best and most interesting historical London pubs with us. If you enjoyed this episode, it would be really great if you were able to take a few minutes and leave an honest review and rating. That's all for now. We'll catch you next week. Mm-hmm.